Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach. Uh, and this is my 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 now friend, Manfred. We've got to talk a couple of times now, and I always enjoy conversations with Manfred because you can just tell in everything he does, he's he's got a seasoned career behind him. He knows what he's talking about and he cares deeply. Now, when I say seasoned career, he's had a successful career in the global corporate world for some 30 plus years. His executive roles include uh, leading the facilitation of strategy development and business improvement processes for subsidiaries in four different continents. And throughout his professional career, he's acquired extensive experience in all areas of management, including marketing, sales, financial operations, product development, and manufacturing. He's served on boards in Norway, the UK, France, Belgium, Singapore, Spain, Taiwan, and Australia, and don't forget the USA. His, his industry expertise includes aviation and cargo services and industrial manufacturing and global systems, medical services, and not-for-profit organizations. Uh, Manfred, there's so much in there, and I feel like it doesn't even begin to express just how uh, remarkable uh, an individual you are. So what I'd uh, before we get into how you help your clients and and you know what you're working with them uh, right now, I'd love to just to hear a little of this story. How, uh, you tell us a little bit about what all that time was like and how did that ultimately lead you to make the leap into coaching and consulting? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, uh, Scott. Uh, it's uh, great to be with you again. Well, uh, what you're saying is I'm old. <laughs> uh, yes, I have been a few times around the clock and uh, uh, have some uh, um, uh, extensive uh, experience in large corporation and global business. Um, the reason I am in coaching, and I'm doing this now since 2006 uh, uh, as a mainstay, is really uh, I learned very early on in my career from great mentors and great uh, supervisors and leaders uh, that I had the, uh, the joy to work for that leadership is utterly important for any organization, for-profit, non-profit, doesn't matter. It's really leadership that either makes things happen because they are able to engage the people in the organization and enroll them towards common goals uh, or mutual uh, established goals and, and, and towards progress, or they are unable to do so and therefore responsible responsible for the failure or a uh, lack of progress. Mm -hmm. So from that 
um, I have always put a lot of emphasis on, 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 on honing my own leadership ability and leadership effectiveness, uh, which, of course, to say it that way, but 50% of leadership is self-leadership. Yeah. Uh, and, and because when we talk about leadership presence, is we are the product as a leader of leadership. It's us. We are presenting. We are the example. And if we are not setting the right leadership example, it is hard to engage people and get them on board and, and follow. Mm. So uh, um, I, I put a lot of effort in, in, in becoming a reasonably uh, effective leader. And, uh, and uh, well, the last 15 years of my career, I did uh, turnarounds and startups for, for that uh, conglomerate, for this Norwegian conglomerate that I worked for. And uh, when I finally retired from my corporate life, uh, I, it, was, it was not the question what I'm going to do as a next step. And it was certainly uh, coaching, uh, leadership coaching and working with, uh, with uh, uh, people, part partnering with my clients to help them to you know, take themselves to the next level in their, in their uh, ability to engage and enroll people. I love that. Okay. I love that. So kind of in that vein, what would you say is some of the most important work you're doing with your clients right now? Well, it starts out typically uh, when I work with a client, uh, they come to me for, for uh, discussing leadership and, and what it really means. And, uh, you know, when we talk about leadership, there is uh, many definitions uh, and uh, everybody has his own little spin on it. And, and um, uh, they are all right in their own right. Uh, I have a very simple definition, and that leadership is creating results through people. Keyword is through. Uh, and, uh, and, and anything else, because we say uh, an effective leader is, uh, has to be a visionary uh, and has to create that vision. When the leader does that visioning, then he or she becomes a contributor to the cause. That's not the leading part. Leading mm -hmm. is when you create the results through mm -hmm. the people that are in your realm of, uh, of uh, uh, the leadership context. And uh, that, is, that is how it typically starts. And, uh, and uh, we, when I work with clients, the first couple of times is really getting to know each other because coaching, believe it or not, is really a highly collaborative effort. I can't do anything as a coach unless my client works with me. Yeah. Because by the end of the day, the work is done by the client. I can't. I yeah, can't yeah, yeah. Raise. 
Yeah, it's, it's so true. I actually want to take a step back because I'm stuck on this uh, statement that you just made almost in passing. Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll jump to coaching here in a second. But you said uh, when you're visioning, you're not leading, you're contributing. And and that that's powerful. I want to make sure folks don't miss that because what what a lot of us see as leading, right? Being the idea person, you know, casting a vision is just one of the many right, you know, necessary and helpful contributions that we make to a team. What are some other things that folks think they're leading, but they're actually contributing? Well, uh, that's uh, uh, plenty of things that, uh, that uh, a leader does every single day. Uh, uh, as he or she contributes, uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, calling a meeting uh, or organizing a meeting or, or um, well, uh, working with customers uh, because often uh, key leaders have worked with key customers. These are all contributions that they make and they're necessary. But when they are leading, when they put the leadership hat on, we take it that way, then it is what they are able to do through the people. And uh, that's a very important issue because uh, it's, it's all about engaging and enrolling people in the cause that an organization is going for or a company is going for. And, and uh, there is plenty of research done every single year um, about uh, how people are engaged or disengaged. And the last few years, really, the number of disengaged people in an organization have gone up to two-thirds. Only one-third of the organization are, by self-declaration, fully engaged or engaged. The rest is, oh, participating. And, and if you think about the more actively disengaged, which means looking somewhere else. And, and if, you, if you consider this for a moment, as leaders, we hire people on any, uh, any level of the organization. We hire people to do certain things. If you then consider that only a third of the people is truly in the program and, and actively uh, working on it, uh, what the potential is left to energize. Yeah. And that is a leadership task. Nobody else. That's the leadership task. And I think there's this really interesting time because I've been watching the the kind of rise and fall of uh, of that metric in particular in engagement. So engagement, when everyone went home to start with, engagement went through the roof. It was like there's freedom. It's like there's something like we, it's all hands on. And then it had, I think, the single biggest month to month increase uh, since uh, I forget who's tracking it. Um, you, you know better than that. But it was like the single biggest month to month. And then two months later, it was like the single biggest fall that's ever experienced. And one of the things, a lot of leadership, uh, especially by your definition, happens shoulder to shoulder, right? It happens when we're working together. And a lot of the tools that we have as leaders to do that uh, are, are limited in this kind of quasi remote environment. So is that a challenge that your leaders are facing right now? How, how they engage and enroll people in their organization in a remote workforce? And how are you helping them address that? Well, 
The, the biggest challenge that most leaders, again, on, on every level of the organization, from the CEO to the front uh, frontline supervisor, our uh, our challenge with is uh, how shall I say that that the visual control, and I'm putting control uh, special because we don't control really. Uh, when we see people at their desks, in their cubicles, in their offices, uh, in front of their computer, doing something, we think they are working. We don't really know exactly what they're doing. We hope they are not playing computer games. But uh, the, the thing is, when they are outside of that visual, then we make all kinds of assumptions. Uh, when people are not immediately reachable, well, they are not working. So uh, that there is a lot that goes on right now in, in, in leaders' heads because they have not established the relationships with their people that they can, first of all, fully trust. And, 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 and you see, trust is a, is a, a, a bidirectional directional uh, uh, effort. Yeah. Uh, it goes both ways. Uh, I cannot expect you trusting me unless I am extending the, the trust first, particularly right. as a leader. And and in, in, in essence, what, what it also means, the highly effective leaders are those that are able to make themselves redundant. And what I mean by that is not that they can be kicked out uh, easily, but that their team, their people, will function at least over a certain period of time without their immediate interaction, without their immediate uh, direction, control, influence, whatever. When you manage as a leader to create that redundancy of yourself, then you have a team, you have built typically a team that will work no matter if they are in the office, if they are at home, if they are on the way, whatever it is, because they are, you, you have managed to engage and roll them and get them really into the program. And that is what I work with my clients on, mm. to help them to create those relationships and and maintain them and foster them and, and enhance them constantly to make that happen. And then it's immaterial where they work. If you if you think about uh, one of the big companies, uh, um, WordPress. I guess you know WordPress. It's uh, it's the, one of the major, if not the major, um, uh, platform for websites around the globe. They started in 2001, 2002. They have never had a, a physical office. They don't have a brick and mortar office. They have, meanwhile, over 20,000 people working uh, worldwide, all virtual, very successful. So is it possible? Absolutely. Yeah. Will it take a certain, maybe different leadership effort to do so? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So if you were to kind of take a step back and and look back over the, the years of your career, how would you say leadership has changed over time? And are the the expectations we have of leaders any different than they were several decades ago? Uh, well, uh, most certainly. Well, absolutely, it has changed. Uh, because simply the whole environment has changed. Uh, 30, 40 years ago, and that was a time that I, in essence, grew up in business, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> things were not as fast-paced changing. Uh, there was plenty of pressure, don't get me wrong, but we didn't have those dynamic changes, interruptions, uh, sudden stops and goes, uh, and and in our economic and, uh, and business environment. Uh, communication was completely different. Um, I remember as a uh, sales engineer, I have an engineering background, but after about three years of engineering, I, I had enough of that <laughs> and, and uh, went into sales and then later in operations and so on. Uh, as a sales engineer, when I was traveling, uh, there was no mobile phone. Uh, we communicated with telex. You probably don't even know what that is. But that was kind of the fast communication hmm. uh, or a landline that you had to get somewhere. Today, this is a complete different world. So obviously, it impacts and influences how we live, what tools we use, how we use those tools. And, and of course, back then, the they, uh, uh, generational differences was the baby boomers and the pre-baby boomers. That were the two generations in business. Today, we have five generations because we have still baby boomers left over, like myself. We have Gen X, we have Gen Y, we have Gen Z, and we have the latest and greatest generation. I'll leave it still up. but. Uh, what we are, uh, what name we are ultimately assigning to it, and the reason for that is basically all those environmental changes, and I don't mean ecology in this case, but general environment. <clears throat> that fast changes have created a faster change in in the profile of generational commonalities. Yeah, because if you take the the uh, baby boomers. Yeah, there are two groups. There is the early and the, 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 the later one, but it was over 20, 22 years. Now we're talking about five years, seven wow. years. Yeah. Of difference in commonalities. Yeah. The people that, that today, the youngest one that come into the business environment have probably never seen a, a, uh, uh, what is it called now? A telephone uh, where you where you throw money. Uh, yeah, yeah. They don't know what that is. They were confronted with it. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of in light of that. All that's changed, and and how you've been, uh, you know, diving deep with leaders recently. What would you say is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everyone listening or watching today knew? 
I I would say uh, the biggest secret secret that shouldn't be a secret and and, and but it's not it's not that common. It's constantly learning. Be open to learn. Uh, take measures to constantly learn. I myself, I I certainly am reasonably experienced. I've gone through all kinds of processes. I dedicate 20% of my time, a whole day a week, to my own continued development at my age. Because I need it to keep up with all the developments that are going on and to stay on the cutting edge for my clients and for myself. So anybody that thinks, okay, now I'm 50, I have been for 25 years uh, actively in the business. I've learned what I needed to learn. I have my MBA and my uh, my uh, whatever degree. Um, there is not a lot that I can get anymore. He's lost. Mm. Because five years later, that individual is out of touch. And I hate to say it so brutally clear. But that is, in my book, one of the most important areas. Stay connected, stay on top. Be always ready to, well, get new information, digest it, process it, use it, build new habits. Necessary to stay in the program. That's so good. And, and from, you know, from every one of our interactions, I can tell you for everyone listening, this is so true of Manfred. Uh, it's, uh, it's, again, it's just so obvious in everything you do and the way you approach life. Uh, so there's definitely sound wisdom in that. And it's wonderful to see someone actually taking, uh, their own wisdom, uh, and, and working with that. And that's a great segue to our next question. I'm actually gonna have you take off your coach hat for a moment, put on your CEO hat and talk to us kind of what's the next stage of growth look like for you? Why is it worth you uh, so much? of your time to be continuing to pour into yourself for the future? Well, first of all, uh, I, I cannot relate to the concept of retirement. Uh, it's, uh, to me, it sounds like dying. And, and this is, of course, uh, incorrect. And I accept that uh, 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 that's probably a very strange approach uh, to life. But for me, what, what, what I'm doing is uh, I... I'm not doing what I love to do because I love people. Uh, and uh, and I'm doing it because I enjoy it. And I get paid for it. What else can you do? But, but my, my growth is more focused on my own development. As I mentioned earlier, that is, that is really my main uh, growth focus because that way my, my business will grow with the clients that I get, uh, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not looking for thousand new clients. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. for those that I can help the most. Yeah, that I love to work with. I'm very selective. 
I remember hearing Dan Cathy share uh, a little anecdote about his dad, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. And it was at the time when Boston market was just taking off, right? I think they were opening 1500 stores in a, a year or something crazy like that. And the Chick-fil-A management team is looking at it saying, Hey, this is a real like comp- competitor. What are we going to do? How are we going to keep up? And uh, Truett's like, hold on a second. Like, no. Well, like we don't succeed by having more stores. We succeed by taking better care of our customers and the stores will come. End of the story. Yeah. It's and so true. It's post market today and where is Chick-fil-A? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Uh, and, and so I, I love that you've highlighted that growth is not this kind of up and to the right numbers based thing. There's an element of that for sure. But if we can just focus on our own development uh, and the, the growth will follow. Uh, so remarkable, Manfred, uh, just such an honor and privilege having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, some folks are listening and they're, they're just saying, how, how can I get this guy's information? So how someone wants to get in touch with you, see if you can help. How can they, how can they reach out? Very easy. On LinkedIn, uh, I think I'm the only Manfred Collins there is on I don't know how many billion people are on LinkedIn, two, two, one and a half, whatever. Uh, so uh, that's the easiest. And otherwise, uh, my email is mgoland at uli-international.com. That's fantastic. And that's Goland, G-O-L-L-E-N-T. Uh, check him out on LinkedIn. G-O-L-L-E-N-T. Yep, G-O-L-L-E-N-T. Well, Manfred, thank you so much for being on. Again, an honor, just a privilege. Uh, and for everyone watching, listening today, and your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.